We are beginning a new sermon series today, and I'm excited to um, hand off this series to uh, my friend, Reverend Bob Ships. Uh, he is a chaplain at Mercy in, um, in, in Rogers, at Mercy Hospital in Rogers, and uh, it, it's worth taking a moment and just saying how uh, blessed we are to live in a community that has a hospital system that puts a significant investment in the ministry of the chaplaincy. Um, we've just come through 15 or 16 months of uh, a, a pandemic and, and still suffering the lingering effects of that. And I, I want you to know how much I appreciate Bob's ministry. Um, during those times when the hospitals were locked down, uh, many of you uh, had emergencies that took you to the hospital. You were in the emergency room. You were admitted. You had things going on in your life. And our pastor of congregational care, Penny McCauley, myself, our entire congregational care team, we were not permitted to go to the hospital. And I can't tell you how many times we sent a text to Pastor Bob and we said, hey, so-and-so's in the hospital. So-and-so's having a procedure. This family's having a baby. Can you go and can you check on them? And Bob was there representing uh, you as a congregation, but also incarnating Christ in those places and bringing the ministry uh, of Jesus uh, to those situations. And I'm so thankful for his ministry. He's one of many pastors that we have here at our church. Some are paid on staff, but like Bob, others are, are pastors who have connected with us. And uh, I was just thanking God for all the, the ministers that God has sent to our congregation. In fact, this past week, we gave two district ministers license uh, to Pastor Laura Andrade in the Hispanic congregation, and then Bo Hamilton, um, who is our youth intern this year. And, and so that's a really big deal that God is raising up ministers among us. And so we are blessed with uh, a number of pastors that call this place their church home. And I'm reminded of what Paul said in Ephesians 4. He said God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be teachers, some to be shepherds. And together, uh, God calls people to lift up and to edify the body of Christ. And so God is raising up men and women in our congregation. Um, after a distinguished career in the pastorate, uh, Bob felt God calling him into the chaplaincy. And in the providence and the grace of God uh, has led Bob and Kelly to this congregation. We're so appreciative of their ministry. And Bob's going to kick off this sermon series for us today. Would you welcome our friend, uh, Reverend Bob Ships? <clears throat> Well, good morning, and from one flawed dad to another, happy Father's Day. <laughs> well, I uh, counted a privilege to be here and to share today, and uh, when Mark uh, introduced this series of the Hall of, of Flaw and uh, all these characters of Hebrews chapter 11, and asked if I would kick it off, I was just uh, blessed and honored to, to do that. And so today I'm going to share a, a message entitled, uh, Standing Faithful in a Fallen World. And we're going to use that uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 text, and uh, that says, faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we don't see it. And then the second text I want to use is Revelation 2, uh, verses 8 through 11. 
And that says, to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you're rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Can we pray together? Father God, uh, we come to this part of this worship service where your word is broken. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be alive and well among us, moving in and about this place, in and around every seat in this facility. Father, that your spirit would have the freedom to speak to us and that your word would come alive by your spirit today. I pray, God, that as we walk away from this place, we walk away stronger because we've had a renewed spirit, a renewed strength in these bodies that we walk in. Father, thank you for those that are here today. Even as we celebrate a holiday, we thank you, God, that they are here to hear from you. And so, Father, I offer myself to you right now. May I not be in the way of what you want to accomplish today, but may your spirit be lifted and moved and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Without a doubt, this has been a crazy year. <laughs> And certainly, we've seen craziness around the hospital in these past, uh, this past year and a half. Um, I don't know if you've experienced anything like this in your lifetime, but in my lifetime, I've not seen the, the amount of fear that has been elevated in our culture. We've seen uh, numerous different situations at the hospital that it just... Uh, is heart-wrenching and heartbreaking. And in the midst of all of that, there's often these kind of comments that come up. Why me? Why now? Why is this going on? I think many of you have probably asked that question as well. And so the first thing that I want to point out in this, is, as we are people of faith, we need to remember that we live in a fallen world. None of us are exempt from problems. And a fallen world means we struggle with the effects of sin on a daily basis. We experience heartache and pain. Some of us more than others. We witness natural disasters and staggering loss and injustice, inhumanity. And we see falsehood rising all around us. Discord and trouble are commonplace. And none of this was God's original plan for humanity. We fell from our original position in the Garden of Eden, and now we live in a fallen world, and all of creation is groaning under the consequences of sin. John 16.33 says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, 
but take heart, I have overcome the world. Many of us are very familiar with that passage, but oftentimes we skate over the promise that's right in the middle of it because we don't like to see a promise of trouble. We only want to see the promises of God's goodness and His grace. But right in the middle of this, it says, in this world, you will have trouble. Church, would you repeat after me? And would you replace the I instead of the you? Let's say that together. In this world, I will have trouble. Sometimes we think because we're Christian that we're not going to face difficulties. But Jesus is giving us this reminder, and and he's writing the church at Smyrna, and he's saying, I know the troubles, I know the problems, I know the persecution, I know the things you're experiencing. He is telling them that he's fully aware of all the trouble they are facing. In this world, we will experience trouble. And this past year and a half, we have experienced trouble. This pandemic that has caused people to to battle one another. We've seen rioting. We've seen difficulty like never before. Fighting. We've seen injustice. And we've seen all kinds of problems. And then we wonder, well, is God punishing me? Did I do something wrong in my life that all this is on me? I've served God. I've been in church every Sunday. Why? As Mark said, uh, there for a while in the hospital, um, it was very difficult. We couldn't even allow family to be in the presence of a loved one that was dying. And on one occasion, uh, one of my coworkers uh, mentioned to me, she said, uh, uh, Chaplain Bob, my dad's in the COVID unit. Her dad was a pastor, a well-known pastor over in the Huntsville area and um, just loved by the people and years and years that he'd served in the ministry and she could not go in to see him. And I said, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go visit, I'll pray over him. And when I went in to see him, he was on the ventilator, he was um, sedated, unconscious, um, but I prayed, over, I prayed over Butch that day. And that brought such a sense of peace and encouragement to his daughter that was unable to be there. These are things that we shouldn't have to experience when our parents are on their deathbed and not being able to be by their side. Well, Butch passed away a few days later. And I think we could all say, why? Why? Because we live in a fallen world. And Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. And the good news is that God does not intend his world to forever groan. Through Jesus, God is repairing creation through people of faith, just like you, just like me. He's he's restoring friendship with himself in Jesus, giving us eternal life. He's drawing people out of darkness in the midst of craziness in our world. He's drawing them out and he's using people like you and me to show them and point them to the light. Just last week, uh, another co-worker that 
I've known for about three years and uh, just a, a, good, a good guy, cared for people. His, his religious background was suspect in my eyes. He was a spiritist. He at one point told me he had become a high priest. And that makes me uncomfortable. But he had become real sick uh, this past year, and he was in and out of the hospital. And he knew me. He knew where I stood. He knew what my connection to God was. And on one occasion, just a couple of weeks ago, and this was probably the fourth time that he'd been in the hospital in the last year, I got a message from one of the nurses, and she said, he, he's asking for you to come and see him. And so I went to his room, and I uh, greeted him, and uh, we shared for a little bit, and, and then he said to me, he said, Bob, I need everything you've got. And he was being serious as all get out. He said, that they've told me I've, I've only got a few days to live. And I just, I need everything you've got. I, 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 need, I need anointing. I, I need to be baptized. And he went through this list of, he knew in his mind what Christianity was all about. And I said, well, you have to understand my perspective, and my perspective is Christianity, and my perspective is Jesus, and Jesus being the great physician and the healer. And I said, do you believe that it's this Jesus that is drawing you to this place right now where you would want me to pray for you? He said, I believe that. And I pulled out a card that I carry with me, and it's a card of Revelation 3.20 where the picture many of you have seen it is Jesus standing at the door knocking. And I shared a few things with him, and I said, if you're ready to pray to receive Christ as your Savior, then let's pray together. And I'm going to pause and allow you a moment to pray on your own. And we did that, and tears streaming down his face, he prayed to receive Christ, and he clung on to that card like that was his hope. A couple of guys uh, from the hospital that are good, strong Christians went by to see him, and they came to me and they said, Bob, he's got a smile on his face, and he's clutching that card. And three days later, he was with Jesus. God is still restoring humanity to Himself. Even in the midst of troubles, even in the midst of difficulty, He's restoring a reflection of God's likeness through Christ. He's restoring His design for family through Jesus. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who serve Him. He's restoring man's proper dominion and caring for our world. So it should not surprise us when trouble comes. The promise to those disciples just before Jesus went to the cross, hey guys, in this world you're going to have trouble. And in my mind's eye, I wonder if he was saying that to them because he thought maybe they thought they were exempt from any kind of trouble because they'd seen all of these things that Jesus has done. In this world, we will have trouble. Let me ask you, are you facing trouble today? Are you facing or experiencing health concerns that 
are more than you can handle. Emotional concerns, surgeries, family matters beyond your control, financial world that's spinning out of control, these are all things that we, we face as troubles in a fallen world. And so since we live in this fallen world, then how should we live when the difficulties come? Well, we should stand faithful. Even with all of our flaws, we should stand faithful. And we should remember we have spiritual resources. God has given us spiritual resources. In the hospital, I am called to just a gamut of circumstances uh, that you can't imagine. And I am present with these people to be a support to them when their world is crashing down. Just like many of you, when someone in the church calls you and says, I've got this going on, then they're a support to you. They're someone that, that uh, they can vent to and talk to and be encouraged by. There's this spiritual resource in the friends around them. But I'm there to be a support. I'm not there to fix their problem. I tell patients they won't let me sign discharge papers. They won't let me bring patients food. They might let me do a surgery. So if you're open for surgery, ask for Chaplain Bob. <laughs> and let me tell you, if you do, your prayer life will skyrocket. Some of us go into fix-it mode when difficulties come. We just want to fix it. We begin to look at things and, and analyze and say, well, maybe I'm not praying enough. Uh, maybe I'm not giving enough. Uh, maybe I should have witnessed to this. And we've, we start analyzing all of our things and our lives and, and trying to fix things that are going on because of a fallen world. I ran across this video a few years ago. You've probably already seen it, many of you, but I love it, so I'm going to share it again. If you've seen it, just laugh along with it. And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on! Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way, do I have to keep on talking till I? I love that. 
but I think there's a lot of truth to that. We do try and fix things. We try and fix our spiritual lives. When something tragic is going around us, we'll, we'll analyze and think that this is what's the result of not praying enough. Or... And so in those circumstances in the hospital, I'm there to help them make meaning of their spiritual resources. I'm there to help them understand that Jesus knows. He's fully aware. And for Christians, the struggle seems to be a little bit easier. I don't like to be in situations where it's end of life and, and they're not Christian. And there is a difference. There's a dramatic difference. But for the Christian, there's incredible hope. Look at these words from Jesus. To the angel of the church of Smyrna write, these are the words of him who is first and last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions, your poverty, yet you're rich. I know about the slander of those who say they're Jews, but they are not. They are the synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Two times in there, Jesus says, I know. I know your afflictions. I know the physical concerns, the physical issues you're facing. I know your poverty. I know when you last ate or the struggles of getting food on the table. I know your emotions and those people that are bullying you. I know. And in the midst of a fallen world, in the troubles that are beyond our understanding, remember who's speaking. He who is first and last, who died for the sins of humanity and came back to life, he lives to intercede. He lives to intervene. He lives to enter into our circumstances and be a very present help in time of trouble because he knows. Isn't that wonderful news for you and I? In the midst of a fallen world, when we're facing troubles, Jesus, the author, knows. He knows what we are experiencing. He knows what we're facing. He knows our emotions. He knows our pain. He knows. Jesus, our greatest resource of spiritual support, knows. He knows everything about us. He knows our pain before we do. He knows our suffering before we do. He knows the emotions we carry. He knows. He, know, he knew our DNA before the world knew what it was. He knows the number of hairs on our head. Some of us, it's a little bit easier to count. And in our moment of chaos, in our moment of tragedy, or trial, or pain, or suffering, or hurtful comments, or bullying, he knows. And he says, do not be afraid. Remember faith. Do not be afraid. Stand faithful, and trust me. Do not be afraid of what you're going to face. I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
He knows when we come into this world, and he knows when we'll depart. Death of a loved one can be a very difficult thing, but it can be a very beautiful thing as well. And for the Christian, when I said a little bit ago, there is a difference. There is a vast difference when Christians go to meet the Lord. I have, I cannot even tell you how many times um, been in the presence of a patient that was actively passing away. And I'd come into that hospital room and I'd listen to family share a story of how faithful this person was and how much they enjoyed prayer and that their life was serving the Lord. And now here they are and the family's gathered around the bed. And I would say something like this. I'd say, well, let me ask you, is prayer something that this person would find helpful at a time like this? Oh, yes, Chaplain Bob, they love prayer. And many, many times in the middle of prayer, they would go to be with the Lord. I can't tell you how many times. And all I can say is, the, the way that I understand it is when I come into that room and I get very close to that patient and I get up next to their ear and I'll introduce myself as a chaplain and I'm there to pray with them and I'm there to remind them of their spiritual resources, the Jesus who they served and lived for, and that we're going to join in prayer. And in those moments, I sense that this person is becoming just calmer by the moment because, oh, prayer Yes, that's what my life has been about. And oftentimes I'll say, when you see Jesus' hand, reach out and grab a hold. And they'll die right then. That happened just a little over a week ago. The lady that came into our emergency department, her niece was there, and, and she was saying, oh, yes, she, she loves prayer, and, and right during prayer, she passed away. Many, many stories of that happening. He knows when we come into the world. He knows when we'll depart. We live in a fallen world, so we can't expect trouble to come our way. As Christians, we have resources in Christ. He knows. And the third point I want us to see is stand faithful even to the point of death. And some of us are very uncomfortable with that language in there. We don't want to ever be in a situation where we have to remain faithful even to the point of death. Oftentimes we think of persecution. We think of someone holding a gun to our head and remaining faithful at that time. So we get a little bit uncomfortable with that. But the, the message to the church at Smyrna, the message to the people at Smyrna was stand faithful. And I think the main reason that Jesus brings out these, this language or these words to this church is because they were a faithful church. They were committed to following Christ. They were committed to growing in Christ. They were faithful. And so he could say to them, then stand faithful even to the point of death. Well, there's one thing that we don't see in this story, and it's another character. And that character I want to introduce you to. 
I don't know what flaws he had. I'm sure he had flaws just like you and I do. But his name was Polycarp. Polycarp, anybody of you heard of Polycarp? Lift up a hand if you've heard of Polycarp. Yeah, a few of you, yeah, that's good, good. Polycarp was the bishop at the church of Smyrna. And just to give you a little historical context of Polycarp, history tells us that he was mentored by the Apostle John. Wow. Can you imagine? Mark, can you imagine? Having the Apostle John mentor you and then be ordained by John, ordained into that church. So he was the Bishop of Smyrna for years and years, appointed and ordained by the Apostle John, and he serves in this church to encourage the Christians. And one of the things that that history tells us is that he even wrote to some of the other churches in the area uh, when they were going through difficult days. In fact, um, history tells us that he wrote a letter to the church at Philippi, and uh, he, he said this to them. He said, let us then persevere unceasingly in our hope and in the pledge of our righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. Let us persevere as people of faith. Let us continue to, to live for the Lord. Persevere. And he's writing the church at Philippi. But there was something happening in in the culture of, of Polycarp's day and, and in the area of Smyrna, that maybe we see some of those same things happening with us. The culture around Polycarp was changing. Less number of people that were really committed to following Christ. Much of that came because of the governmental leadership there was a Caesar at the time of uh, late in life of, of Polycarp. He was in his late 80s. And the Caesar that was over the area said, no one is going to have any faith in anyone else other than me. So if you're going to bow down to any other god, then you're not going to live. This kind of persecution was going on and in Polycarp's day. And so people came to Polycarp and they, and they were saying, Polycarp, you, you, need to, you need to flee. You need to get out of town. They're going to come after you. Because you're unwilling to renounce your faith, they're going to come after you and they're going to arrest you, Polycarp. And Polycarp's response was, was this. He said, 86 years I have served Christ and he never did me any wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? I'm going to stand faithful, even if it means death. He refused to compromise his beliefs. And in short, Polycarp was arrested. And they were going to burn him at the stake. And they gave him one last chance to renounce Jesus, but he refused. And so they said, well, we're going to tie your hands behind your back and tie you at the stake. And Polycarp said, there's no need to bind me. I've been set free to serve my God, my Lord Jesus. 
and I will stand faithful till the end. So he stood at the fire, at the stake of where the fire was to be, and they started the fire. And historians say this, something happened in that moment. Something happened that they were not expecting. All of the people around, including the executioner and the guards, were anticipating that Polycarp's body would start to melt. And you would start to smell the the stench of burning flesh. And you would see his death happening before your eyes. But historians say something strange happened. As he stood there at the stake, the fire engulfed around him, and it said it swirled around him, but it never consumed him. Wow. Everybody's looking surprised. The fire's all around him, but it's not touching him. In fact, some of the people said, we were anticipating the stench of burning flesh, but what we smelled was like the baking of bread, a fragrance that came away from that scene. Oh, let me tell you, that made the executioner angry. It was all positive, all good. The crowd's amazed. He wanted to see the body of this old man burn and melt away, but all he saw was a body that was gleaming in the fire. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says this, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. In that moment, when Polycarp was standing faithful, another message is being told to the onlookers just in the fragrant aroma of the moment. Well, as I said, the executioner got uh, angry and uh, he cannot believe what he's seeing. He cannot believe what he's smelling. And at this point, he says, put him to death with the sword. So he summons the guard to put Polycarp to death by the sword. In that moment, fire swirling all around. The executioner's had enough. Summons the guard. The guard plunges the sword into Polycarp. And historians say this, the blood spilled out and put out the fire. Now, if that isn't an image of the love of Christ who suffered for us but stood faithful, who was pierced for our sins and His blood was spilt to save us from an eternal fire of hell. Polycarp, like many other Christians to this day, was only able to die for Christ because he lived for Christ. His life was radically transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit. The desires, the worries, the pains, the fears of this world no longer bound him. 
Polycarp's life and death provides an inspirational example for all of us. And he gave his earthly life for Christ. Faith. It's, it's such a simple word, yet it carries miraculous results. By faith, we can come into a relationship with Jesus. By faith, in a troubled world, we can walk and persevere in the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulty, because we know who's walking with us. And by faith, we are never alone. We are all flawed humans. But those who hope in the Lord, who stand faithful during the trials of life, even to the point of death, will be rewarded. I don't know where you are today or what's going on in your life or what you're experiencing, but I just want to remind you, we live in a fallen world. And if you're not facing trouble today, at some point you will. But remember, we've been gifted with these spiritual resources of support from our Lord. And those spiritual resources are that He knows. He knows everything we're experiencing. He knows everything that we're going through. He knows the troubles that we face. He knows the emotions we feel. He knows the afflictions we experience. He knows all about it. And He asks us to put our little hand in His big hand and walk with Him through it. Amen? And maybe... Maybe we'll be asked to stand faithful even to the point of death. But in that, God can still be glorified. Amen? Would you pray with me, please? Father God, thank you for this good day that you've given us. Thank you for all the dads that are here, flaws and all. Thank you for that high calling of of fatherhood Lord I'm excited about this series a series that even flawed folks like me can stand faithful in a difficult world and we can put our hope and our trust in you and know that you will help us through I pray for each person here today Help them to stand strong and faithful to the end.